0: Back there in the sound booth, am I controlling what you're doing when I'm swiping back and forth? Good news. This is going to work nicely, except that I just lost it. Because there's a lot of announcements today, you guys, and I'm really excited about all the things, and I don't want to miss a single one of them. First is last Sunday, I biffed it just a little bit. I was, like, running around. I mean, like, that's new for me. I don't know why that took me by surprise, but... We had someone here, and it was their birthday. And when you are 14, is that the birthday that it was? Mm -hmm. I can see the angst happening right now. You want someone to give you a shout out. I think that you do. But Kepler was here, and he was running our cameras, and his mom was serving in kids' church, and there was not even an ounce of happy birthday, Kepler. And so, Kepler, we are so grateful for you so grateful for you. Um, I have a little gift. I'm not going to make you come up here. It's like light and I'm just going to try to airmail it over to you. Okay. So don't worry about catching because Haley's in front of you and it's likely going to hit Olivia or Haley, hopefully not a candle. So let's do this. That's 14, friends. That's 14 years right there. Um, again, we love you. Thank you for the way that you serve and you graciously just show up. And what 14-year-old runs the live stream and the camera and uploads it all? Um, impressive. So if you get a chance to thank that young man, would you please um, today? All right. We're launching into outdoor Christmas in our holiday schedule for the next couple of weeks. Um, This is our last regular Sunday morning gathering um, until we meet in January. So I'm gonna tell you all the things and then I'll show you a little thing that you can take a screenshot of. Um, We have outdoor Christmas coming this Sunday evening from 6 o'clock until 8 o'clock in the evening. And that is family-friendly. We have games for the kids. Santa's coming. We have photo ops. It's really just a time to hang out and be family together, but also to bring your family and your friends to something that is a little bit less risky than sitting in a church service. Um, Let's let people know in our community that we're like normal. We're normal, okay, we're not. But we can lie, I can lie to myself about that, you can lie to yourself, we're normal people. Um, we would love it if you would bring camp chairs to that. and um, That will really help us to not have to move all the chairs out into the parking lot and then back in again. So if you remember that, bring a camp chair um, and uh, you'll have signs and all sorts of things about what's going on there. Um, so no Sunday morning gathering just gathering for outdoor Christmas, and we'll have a time of um, indoor carol singing together as well as part of that evening, and this is rain or shine, or snow, or sleet, or sideways hail, as we've experienced, like, but the weather is looking good. Do you guys remember when I said some cloud cover? It's looking like we even have cloud cover, so I'm kind of, well, let's not go too far with that. Then the following Sunday is Christmas Eve, and we will gather here in this space from 7.30 to 8.30 p.m. for a candlelight service and carol singing together. And so please come on back for that as well. We're really looking forward to that. Childcare is not provided for that, so you get to wrestle your kids. But like we said, it's all music. Um, You will not have to do a lot of shushing of the kids and we aren't going to have them hold open flames, so you're even good there. I mean, everybody just—I saw a video once that said it's like the pastor's number one job on Christmas Eve is to teach people how to light a candle and hold it. (laughs) So we're like, yeah, we're not good at that, so we just stopped because cleaning up the wax on the back of chairs and women's expensive wool coats that they pulled out for that evening, that's a no-go, all right? Um, And then after that service, we're going to gather downstairs for some whatever hot chocolate is left from our outdoor Christmas and just have kind of a social time together for anyone who wants to. And so I'm not organizing anything special outside of if you have some Christmas cookies that you want to bring, like the neighborhood just spoils you and you don't know what to do bring them in. Um, You can put them on the kitchen bar in the downstairs building. We'll have that unlocked for you and just set them there and we'll just all kind of go there and eat Christmas cookies and have cocoa together um, after the church service. Oh, there it is. Okay we do a gift card drive around here during the holidays and that is to benefit the partners that we work with with the nourishing network as well as vision house that are helping families um, facing food insecurity and which is really um, I, I think it's amplified during the holidays for them as they're trying to spend extra money on um, gifts for their kids and making the holidays special. And so when you guys lean in and do that stuff, it's amazing. But what we found with these organizations is churches and um, other, other people in groups, they get crazy with giving during November and December, but come January and February, it's like crickets. And they are left then trying to figure out, how are we going to make this work? And so that's where we'd like to come in and say, if you have gift cards that maybe your workplace gave you, you may not have a lot of extra money to give at this time, but it's something where you feel like, I could pay that forward a little bit. So you're welcome to go and buy gift cards, but also just donate those things that you think you, um, you'd you like to regift um, to people who might need it. And so the way that you'll do that is we'll have a basket in the lobby at the welcome table with a little sign and anytime through um, the rest of this month, if you're coming for outdoor Christmas, if you're coming for Christmas Eve, or for any of that stuff through um, mid-January when we do our suit Your way and our Vision House monthly collection, that's when we're kind of gathering those things and then we will we will send those to those two groups. They love grocery cards, um, especially the ones that allow you like Fred Meyer or Kroger where you can also buy some household items. Um, some clothing if you need it, that sort of thing. Um, and then gas cards, as you all know, uh, the cost of gas is, <clears throat> that's a whole another thing for a whole other day. So I will launch into the next thing is that um, this coming Saturday, in order to be ready for our Christmas services um, and then to just be a light in our community. We're hoping to gather a few people. It doesn't have to be men. These are just men in this picture. Also, if you're in this picture, apparently you're obligated to be here. So I don't know if that works for you. So mark your calendar um, for Saturday, this coming Saturday at 9 a.m. Anyone who might be willing to put lights, Christmas lights up around the church here, um, we'd love to see you there. And it sounds like Blake is... Um, Blake Gray is gonna help organize that. So if you have questions about it, you can email Brookview, you can text the Brookview number, you can uh, reach out on your Connect card, um, and we will pass you along to the appropriate person on that one. All right, I talked about our holiday schedule. You know everything you need to know about outdoor Christmas and then the candlelight Christmas Eve. On December 31st, New Year's Eve, we will open up the church during our regular church time, 1030 to noon, for a prayer room. And we will change the guide. So for those of you that came to the prayer room when we had them in November and then last week, um, it will look a little bit different for you with the idea of resetting for the new year and just taking a time to pause and allow God to speak. And so that will really kind of be the theme of that um, morning. It will be self-guided. You can stay as long as you like. Children that can maintain a sacred space are more than welcome and encouraged to come to that as well. But we won't have child care um, for that. So, And then the last thing is January 7th. We are back here again. And Jason will be so ready by then. He's He will be like chomping at the bit a little bit like, let me at it again. Right, babe? Yeah, let's get it. Get it. Preach. All right. Fill out your Connect card that is on your chair this morning. If you want to respond to any of these announcements, if you have prayer needs that are going on in your life or your family or your friends, we love being able to pray for you throughout the week. And you can put those in baskets in the lobby on your way out the door this morning. And for those of you that are watching online, um, fill out your online communication card by going to brookviewchurch.com and contact us, and it'll have all the steps for you there. And um, that's it.
1: perky today i like it it's because because jen is so perky isn't it yeah okay so you guys as we as we wrap up this prayer series um i want us to think today about listening because prayer is, is more than more than just talking right it's also listening it's it's learning to discern god's voice and it's an essential thing in following jesus so this morning, we're gonna walk through Jesus's final night with the disciples and we're gonna cover a lot of scripture. Are you ready for this? Are you excited about this? Yeah. Heck yeah, you are. So we're gonna cover a lot of scripture. Um, Jesus had a lot to say on his last night with the disciples and we're picking this up, John chapter 13. It starts with this. It says, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And so this begins, uh, he begins his sacred night with a symbolic act and he humbly washes their feet. And they are stunned and they are uncomfortable with their rabbi behaving as a slave. Verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. reiterates what he has been teaching all along, that he wants them to learn to humble themselves uh, and love like servants. And then he explains to them that he's going away. He says, my children, and this is so tender, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, and so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And of course, they're confused and upset, right? What do you mean you're going away? And so Peter butts in, as usual. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Now, if you're Peter, that is not very encouraging. But the next words of Jesus are so warm. They're so gentle and kind. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare, prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And here, Jesus is drawing on imagery from their ancient like marriage customs. So in, in their culture, this is so awesome. Is anybody in here, has anybody in here recently gotten married? Hmm. Well, remember back, for those of you that are married, about how this whole thing went down. There's not a lot of romance in the air in here, folks. (laughs) Here's how it would go in in their world. After a couple got engaged, the groom would go away. So he he would leave his future bride, And he would go and he would prepare a house for them. And he would just kind of be gone indefinitely. So the bride's job was to make herself as beautiful as possible and be ready for his return, which could come at any moment. Because when the house was ready and the time was right, the groom would come and he would get his, his bride and it would be a surprise. She didn't know when it was gonna happen. He would just show up one day. When the house was ready, he would swoop in, he would gather up his bride and he, he'd come marching in with his groomsmen and the wedding party and there'd be singing. And some of you are like, I'm glad I'm a bride today. I... <laughs> But he would he would swoop her up, and they would get married, and the whole community would join in the celebration. And then when that when that period of celebration was done, he would usher her into their new home. How many of you think that's kind of romantic? God bless you. So Jesus is drawing on this wedding imagery that they were all familiar with, and he draws on this imagery a ton in, in his teaching. So he's saying, "Look, I'm not leaving you forever." But I have to go away now. This is, this is the way it has to be. Like a groom leaves his bride to prepare a home for her, I am going away to prepare a place for you. And, and like that groom always returns one day to claim his beloved and lead her home, I surely am coming back for you, and there's going to be a great celebration, and then I will lead you home. But Jesus adds confusion to all this by saying, You know the way to the place where I'm going. The disciples are like, wait, what? Yeah, no, right? Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Like, Don't you get it? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Guys, you want to see God? You want to you meet God? You want to know what God is like? Look at me. I know this is hard for you to get your minds around, right? But think back to the miracles. Think back for a sec. Think to all the healings. Think of all the people that were fed out of nothing. Think of the dead people that you watched me bring back to life. Think about me walking on water and calming storms and speaking over nature. How can you say, show us the Father? And the disciples in this moment, you got to imagine, they are having their minds blown. Right, Either Jesus is entirely insane, or for the past three years, they have been walking around, hanging out, sitting around fires, talking to God. And they know that his life and his teaching hasn't been crazy, and so that kind of only leaves one alternative. And they don't fully get it, but they believe it. And to tell you the truth, I'm in the same place. right? I don't fully get it but I believe it. Jesus was the incarnation. He was God in a body. I don't fully get it, but I believe it. Next, Jesus tells him, okay, you've heard the teaching about the kingdom, and you've seen me live it out, and you've seen what love truly looks like. You've seen all the miracles. You've seen everything that I've done, but you're going to see even greater stuff than that because I'm going to my Father. Because up till now, it's mostly been you guys watching what I'm doing, but soon it's going to be you guys doing all the stuff. I'm handing you the ball and I need you to go score. I'm going to the Father's house to prepare a place for you. And so we're not going to be together like we have been. I'm not going to be walking around with you. I'm not going to be talking with you, but I'm still going to be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. You will not be alone. And you're going to do amazing stuff. Verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. And then Jesus explains some of what this, this counselor will do. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You guys, okay, this is a lot. So let me let me just quick recap. Jesus says, "Look, I'm going away to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. I have been beside you. I've been teaching you and talking with you and walking with you and guiding you, but I'm going away like a groom before a wedding. And when the time is right, I'm going to come and get you, and there's going to be a huge celebration and I'm going to lead you home to the Father's house." In the meantime, you won't be able to see me or hear me or touch me or any of that. But you won't be left alone. When I go to the Father, he's going to send you another counselor just like me. He's going to send you the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit isn't just going to come and walk alongside of you. He's going to teach you and lead you and communicate to you and strengthen you from inside of you. Okay, in chapter 16, Jesus takes this to a whole other level. He says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. They're having a hard time believing this. It's for your good that I'm going away. They're like, no. He's like, the new arrangement, me gone and the spirit with you? Trust me, it's better for you. It's for your good that I go. And I know this is confusing and I know this is sad and I know this is hard for you, but I love you. So trust me, having the advocate inside of you is better for you than having me next to you. Okay, guys, a little honesty time. (sighs) Have you ever thought, man, it was so much easier for the disciples than it is like for me. I mean, they had Jesus like right there, 24-7, right? They could see him, they could touch him, they could listen to him, they could ask him questions. Like, I have to believe this whole thing on faith. And they had Jesus right there. So, if I had a choice between having the, the Holy Spirit in me, or Jesus beside me, I would take Jesus in a heartbeat. I would take Jesus every time. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Right? The Christian life would be so much easier if I just had Jesus with me all the time. You guys think about it. I mean, we, think about the, the constant accountability of having Jesus right there. Right? You're walking with Jesus, and you have a dark thought, and Jesus looks at you with a raised eyebrow. Right? Like, oh yeah, I won't. Sorry, Jesus. <laughs> Or you think about how much easier it'd be to lead people to Christ. (laughs) Here's Jesus. (laughs) Right? Or if you got spiritual questions or life questions or, or whatever, like, should I date this person? Should I take this job? Should I make this move? Should I, whatever. You're just like, hey, Jesus. But Jesus says something kind of shocking here. He says, it's actually better for you to have the Holy Spirit inside of you than to have me alongside you. And he's saying, I know this doesn't make sense to you, but the Spirit is going to help you be connected to me even more deeply. And just as the Father is ushering his kingdom into this world through me, he's going to continue advancing his kingdom into the world now through you. So the promise of the Holy Spirit wasn't just for the disciples and the guys who happened to be in this room. It was for every person who would ever become a follower of Christ. And so for so many of us, there's so many questions that emerge around this, this thing. It's like, well, how does this work? Like, how do, I, how do I learn to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? How do I learn to sense the Spirit guiding me? How do I allow the Spirit to strengthen me? Is, is there a way to like be filled more with the Spirit? And, and these are critical questions. So let's go back. Let's go back to the scripture. Jesus tells, tells the disciples, I'm going to the Father, and I'm going to send you another counselor just like me. Later that night, Jesus is, he's arrested, and he's crucified, just like he said. And then he was raised from the dead. And many of us kind of like from there to just sort of skip ahead and say, oh, yeah. And then right after that, he, he ascended into heaven. No. Like, he didn't. If you remember, he walked around Earth for a while, and and he said some things, like really important things. Like usually, you know, when you rise from the dead to say something, it's important. (laughs) So here are some of the things. Here are some things he said. He said on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command: Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he rises from the grave and he says, You guys, wait here. Don't do anything yet. You're just going to mess it all up. Wait for the Holy Spirit you guys remember when, when, you were, when, when you were baptized by John in the Jordan River? Remember how you went into the water? Remember how you were immersed in the water? Well, in a few days, something's going to happen. You're going to like, be baptized, like immersed in the Holy Spirit. And they're like, what does that mean? <laughs> you know. Then they gathered around him. So listen to the shift in the conversation. They're like, oh. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, the disciples at this point still think this whole thing is about overthrowing Rome, restoring Israel. And they want to know when it's all going to go down. And so Jesus is like, I'm not talking about that. Don't change the subject. Here's what you need to know. In a few days, you're going to be immersed in the Holy Spirit, and you are going to receive power, and you are going to become my witnesses all around the world. And then as they're talking, then Jesus ascended into heaven. Can you imagine that? But the disciples, they do what Jesus said. They, they gather daily in the upper room, that sacred space where they had the Last Supper and where that whole conversation went down. They gather daily, and they pray, and they wait, and they pray, and they wait, and they, and they pray, and they wait. Okay, Acts 2 now. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So picture it. They're gathered in the upper room like they had been for every other day, and they're praying, and they're waiting, and suddenly they hear this intense wind like a hurricane rushing into the room. Tongues of fire descend from heaven and land on them, and suddenly they are all enabled to speak foreign languages. Okay, verse five, now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Alamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, uh, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and, by the way, this is hard to say. A lot of different places. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Okay, so people in the street, these guys come pouring out of this room, and and the people in the street are in shock. One woman's like, wait, 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 that was like Arabic. Like, I understood that. Like, that, that local guy is speaking about the wonders of God in perfect Arabic, in my language, right? Another guy's like, Mamma mia, they're speaking Italiano! Another guy's like, Hey, that's, that's like flawless Chinese. Another guy's like, Que pasa? What's happening? Right? So, so people are sensing that God is, is moving powerfully among them. And, and what's interesting is, no matter... What God does, no matter how dynamic it is, there are always doubters and skeptics. So Luke tells us, some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. (laughs) But the vast majority of people are going, yeah, no. You don't just learn a a new language by drinking Cabernet. And, And you don't just start, like with a perfect accent in a foreign language, explaining to somebody the mysteries and the wonders of God. I don't know what's happening here, but something's definitely happening. This is a miracle. And so they start asking, what's going on here? So Peter explains, he tells them that as they all know, Jesus was crucified, but that God raised him from the dead and that he and many others have seen the risen Jesus and that they are witnesses of God's power over death. And Peter explains that all of this was predicted by the prophets and he preaches a very simple but profound message that just happens to be exactly what this group of people need to hear. Now, how did he know what to say? The Holy Spirit. And at the same time, the Spirit is moving among the crowd. Verse 37 When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, and get this, about 3,000 were added to their number that day. In this history-altering moment, of movement, like a movement is born through the Holy Spirit. And Luke goes on to tell us what, what this community is like, like classic depiction of, of the earliest Christian community. He says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So as this faith in Jesus starts to spread all through the Roman Empire, as person after person that never met Jesus, as person after person, despite the risk of death, decided to put their trust in Jesus of Nazareth, they too were filled with the Holy Spirit. And you guys, for 2,000 years, God's kingdom has advanced. It's advancing in person after person through the power of the Spirit, like hearts of stone, Turning into hearts of flesh, hatred replaced with love, fear replaced with peace and courage, selfishness being exchanged with self giving love, confusion replaced with insight. And God is still on the move through the advocate, the counselor, the Holy Spirit. And now, like in this room, you guys, I think this is kind of cool. Like when I stand here speaking to you, like explaining scripture. It isn't, it isn't just me. Like to some extent, you can be the judge of this, but to some extent, the Holy Spirit is like guiding me. The Holy Spirit is helping me understand the Scriptures and He's helping me communicate them. But then inside of you, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And He's, he's bringing to mind ideas and concepts and communicating to you he's giving you thoughts and ideas that are unique to you thoughts and ideas personalized like customized to you i mean you look and you go well this seems like a simple gathering of people but but inside of this room inside you something extraordinary is happening the holy spirit enables you to experience the invisible god He enables you to hear whispers from God. The Holy Spirit somehow interacts with your spirit and it is going on inside of you all of the time. And if you'll allow him, if you'll listen, the Spirit will lead you. He'll direct you away from things that will be destructive for you and toward things that will enable you to flourish. He'll equip you, open doors for you, give you opportunities, and empower you with resources beyond yourself. But more than anything else, the Holy Spirit will transform who you are. Like if you learn to walk with the Spirit, as Paul says, keep in step with the Spirit, you will begin to embody certain characteristics more and more. Stuff like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you let Him, the Holy Spirit will fill you with life. Okay, now today we've looked at a lot of Scripture. I, want, I just want to look at one more scene. And here's the background for this scene. The Jesus movement was born after that sermon by Peter. And in Jerusalem, people were coming to Christ by the thousands. That's just like historical fact. That's what happened. And so the authorities that killed Jesus, they were alarmed. And so within months, a great persecution broke out in Jerusalem followers of jesus were arrested and beaten and even killed the authorities said we will crush this thing so what happened is the followers of jesus began to flee they fled jerusalem to europe and asia and africa and they took the message of jesus with them everywhere they went and one of those places was a city called antioch and in antioch the spirit was up to something this is Acts 13. It says, Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So up to this point, almost all of the earliest christians were jews right jesus was jewish his disciples were jewish of the three thousand people that responded that day to peter almost all of them possibly all of them were jewish but in this church in antioch they were starting to include non-jews and we see incredible diversity within the community okay back to verse one now in the church at antioch there were prophets and teachers barnabas Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menan who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. So Barnabas was from, the, was from an island in the Mediterranean called Cyprus. Lucius was from Cyrene, which is where Libya is today. Simeon was called Niger, which means what in Latin? Anybody? Black. So he's likely a black man from northern Africa. And then there was Manan, who had been brought up with King Herod. So he had been raised like royalty along with the king. And then there's Saul, who became the apostle Paul. And Saul had been a wealthy, educated Pharisee. And initially, he saw Christianity as this horrific cult within Judaism. And so he hunted and imprisoned and killed Christians. Until one day, he had this encounter with Jesus where he was struck blind. And Jesus essentially said, Saul, knock it off. And Saul said, okay, Jesus, maybe I was wrong about you. And Saul did one of the most dramatic 180s in all of human history. And he went from killing people in the church to becoming the leader of this new movement. And so here are these guys from all these diverse backgrounds, and the, th- the one thing that binds them together is their devotion to Jesus. And they're serving one another as family, as brothers and sisters in Antioch, Jews, non-Jews, white people, black people, ethnicities of all kinds. And one day they're all worshiping together, and the Holy Spirit tells them to set apart, ba- uh, set apart Saul and Barnabas. And, and so he tells them, you need to stop doing what you're doing here in Antioch, and leave the church and go out and do something new. Now, we're not told exactly how the Holy Spirit communicated this. I mean, we go, well, how did that work? It was like an audible voice in the room? Did they all just get an inner sense? Like, did maybe one of them sort of get a sense and a prompting from the Holy Spirit, and he shared it, and the others felt it too, and they, they confirmed it? Okay, we're not, we're not told how it happened, but somehow the Holy Spirit directed them. And here we come to, I, I just think, one of the most fascinating ideas in scripture the holy spirit communicates with us and guides us like, yeah i know i in that you know like in catholic school in third grade think about that like and here's here's a beautiful description of this in romans paul writes for all who are led by the spirit of god are children of god So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, which is like daddy or papa, father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So one of the the foundations of being a Christian is, is seeing God as father. Recognizing that he loves us with a pure love, that he is unwaveringly for us, that we are, we're like in his grip, that even though the world may crumble around us, our father will never let us go. But how does that understanding become real in somebody's heart? How does a person that doesn't trust God, a person that has no interest in obeying God, a person that wants independence from God, how does that person learn to love and trust God the way a child trusts in a loving father? Well, according to Paul, it's the result of the Holy Spirit at work with them. It's the Spirit of God somehow interacting with the human spirit. Now, this is like a super mysterious thing that I can't possibly explain. Here's what I know. I know that I experience this all the time. There is is something in me that is bent toward distrusting God. But what brings me back to Him are the consistent gentle whispers. Something happening in me that says, trust me. I love you. And you know that I love you. We've already been through this, you and me. So why are you leaning toward resisting me again? Remember, I love you. Remember, I'm for you. Trust me. I mean, the the core of of what the Spirit is speaking to me is just identity. Right? He reminds me of who I am and and who God is and who we are to each other. And he reminds me because I keep forgetting. Forgetting. I quit I, I drift so quickly. I, I love the, the lyrics of the old song, right? Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for the courts, for thy courts above. I mean, this, this, inter, this interaction in, inside me, it's going on all the time. I can tell you that it's happening, and it's impossible to explain. But it's happening. And the reality is, you guys know what I'm talking about. Right? For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And here's, here's what's crazy about all of this for me. You guys, when I, when I first started investigating Christianity, okay, raised an atheist, it was a devout, committed, arrogant, jackass of an atheist. And when I started investigating Christianity, it was as a critic. Okay? And I started getting around Christians, and I would hear them talk, and I was confused because they kept talking about having this personal relationship with God. Everywhere I went, I would hear him say this thing like, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. You guys have heard this. And you guys, here's what, it would make me mad. I I was like, what the heck are you talking about? How can you have a relationship with an invisible God? Like, I, I just, I don't buy this whole thing. I I think you guys are talking about God like he's an imaginary friend. So whatever you need to make it through the day, man. That sounds ludicrous to me. Now, this, this probably won't shock you. I don't still feel the same way. Because I've experienced way too much to ever go back there. I mean, God has broken through to me, and he's changed me, and, and he's changed how I see all of this, and it is astounding to me, and it's, it's growing, and I'm seeing more and more all the time. And I'm so grateful for his grace, like th- he has put up with so much arrogance, and I'm so grateful for his persistence. But, but trying to explain how this all works to somebody is still virtually impossible for me. Like, how do you engage in an intimate relationship with an invisible God? How, how do you learn to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit? You guys, here's what it's like. It's like you have to learn a whole new language. Jen's been um, reading and listening to a book called Beholding uh, by Strom Coleman. And so um, we were in the car, and she was listening to a chapter of it just for herself, and I'm kind of listening in, and it just hit me because he he explained the difficulty in learning to hear from God. Basically, frustration comes when we try to make unrealistic demands of God. And, And I realized that as he explained his journey, it mirrored my journey. Because we are so used to a world of people with physical bodies, right? A mouth and ears and eyes and so on and so we tend to project onto God what we know and in so doing we expect him to respond to us in the same ways that we are accustomed to responding to each other and then we find ourselves frustrated and so for years I used to wonder like why won't God just speak in an audible voice or manifest himself physically to me in obvious ways like it seemed clear to me that this would be the best way if he had any kind of brain this would be the most productive way for us to, to get to know. If he wants to get to know me so much, here's how to do it. Speak audibly and manifest in like physical ways. But when I, when I think about it, if, if that's what I'm demanding, then I'm demanding to meet God on my terms. It, it's like demanding somebody from another culture speak to me only in my language. Except with God, it's not just the language that I'm demanding he speak, but a a different communication style altogether. And God is loving, and God is, is kind, and he reaches out to us in ways that we can understand. Like Jesus, God become human, is a really good example of God reaching out to us in ways we can understand. But here's the thing. At some point, it's upon us to begin to learn his language, to discover his way of communicating. I mean, God dwells within us. He is spirit. And as a result, he speaks to us and he communes with us in spirit, in his language. Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. God's home is within us. So he doesn't need to use an audible external voice. I mean, in a sense, we can communicate with the Holy Spirit in the same way we process something internally, right? We're still watching for and listening to God, but, but what we mean by those two dispositions vastly differs from how we usually experience them. I mean, listening to, to speak this language, it's, here's what it's like, you guys. It's like becoming a child all over again. And maybe this is a part of what Jesus meant when he said, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. We're literally learning a new language through different means. It's like, like we're babies who have, who have to learn the sound of their parents' voices, right? Their body language, their facial expressions, their, their spoken language, and the different things that their voice inflections mean. You guys, we all had to learn all of that And it took a a, a really long time to become fluent. This time we're learning to communicate with the eternal spirit. The spirit who preceded creation lives outside of time, is all powerful, and has a knowledge expanse that we will never touch the boundaries of. Like being born again is a communication recalibration like, like nothing else. The good news is this, we should have some grace for ourselves. And for others. Because although we receive God the moment that we believe and trust, like we receive God, learning to commune and hear and see and understand that God, it requires the rest of our lives. And at times it's super frustrating. But when you think about how long it takes to learn human language, to read social cues and to hear the tone behind somebody's words and to be able to just relate to other human beings, how much more will, how much more will it take... To hear and see the invisible God. Like this is this is the invitation of a lifetime, but let's be real, it is going to require a lifetime. And so I just want to like close this series where we started. I want to see the Huckleberries. Like Tim Mackey on his mountain hike a few years back, I, I don't want to be surrounded by beauty and unaware. I want to experience the huckleberries, the, the presence and the activity of God. And that's happening for me. And the cool thing is, it's also happening for a lot of you. you guys, I just want to end this series with kind of a pastoral word. I, I have never been more excited about the kind of family we're becoming together. Um... You guys, there, there's a level of hungering and seeking God in our church in this season right now that has it's never been before. Through prayer, through new spiritual practices and disciplines, in community, in solitude, in, in a prayer room, through your unique spiritual temperaments, you guys are, you're seeking and you're knocking. And I'm like, I'm like hearing all these rumors of God meeting you in all kinds of ways. And I'm 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 so encouraged. And what I'll I'll tell you is, Jen and I, we are going to run after God with or without you. I'll tell you what, it's way more awesome to do it with you. And that's what's happening. And what I'll tell you is, man, I love you guys. And I I love who we're becoming together. And I love what God is doing in in our little family. Right? I sit back and I just go, Dainu. God, it would have been enough. But thank you for overdoing it. And right now, I, you guys, it just as I as I feel what's going on and the energy of what's going on in our it, God is overdoing it. And I love seeking Him alongside of all of you. And what I'll tell you is, I'm really grateful. Um, this morning, we're going to wrap this whole thing up with communion. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So you guys are going to worship, and when you're ready, come. Um, we have a, a gluten-free option uh, for those of you that are in need of that in the back. Let me just close and just say, "Father in heaven." I thank you for the life of Jesus. I thank you for his teaching, his love, his humility, his persistence, his refusal to give up on idiots like Peter which means he refuses to give up on idiots like me. And I thank, you for what you're, I, f- I thank you for what you're doing in our community. I thank you for the way that you long for us. I thank you for the whispers of your spirit that are going out to people in this room left and right and have been for months and months and years and years. I thank you for the way that you're healing us inside and you're enabling us to bring the kingdom to earth in our homes and in our workplaces through things like Vision House, the Nourishing Network, things we've been able to do in places like Haiti. God, what a privilege. What a privilege. I'm so grateful. Amen.